Welcome to Teaching Others Also. If you have a Bible, get it Genesis chapter 3, Genesis 3, Romans 8. This is not our usual uh, morning session. We put our morning session up already here for Tuesday, uh, the 11th of January, 2022. But last few days in doing some reading and in, in uh, the book of Genesis and stuff, and I don't know how you do it. I, I know we read through our Bible every year, but I many times God will just direct me to a book or my mind, my heart will go to a book of the Bible, and I might, uh, that actual book, it might take me a little while to read through it, and I'll read through it and sort of digest it again. Read the book of Genesis hundreds of, hundreds of times, literally, <coughs> without exaggeration, and it never, ever, ever gets old. So Genesis 3 and Romans 8. And I'm going to try to make this a nice radio broadcast type of thought. But this thought has helped me for years and years and years, and it still does, on a daily basis. Okay? Now, Genesis chapter 3 and then Romans 8. So I'm going to remind you of a couple of things in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. And that is that he put, he made Adam, he put him in a garden, he Asked him to name the animals. After he had named the animals, the Lord said he didn't find a help that matched Adam, a help meet for him, matched him. Okay? If you meet somebody, you're at the same place at the same time, that kind of stuff. If you meet two pieces of wood together, that's what you're doing. You're joining it. And then he makes purposely designed creature Eve. He names her woman. A womb man, okay? All of, both are mankind. One's male, one's female. God did it that way. You ain't going to change that with all the psychology and denial of anything. So, he brings them together. And it says in chapter 2, verse 25 of Genesis, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now that verse has to be taken completely in context to understand so many things that go on today on the other side of Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis 2, he put him in the garden and he said in chapter 2 verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but... Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God didn't say, I'll kill you. What he's saying is, this knowledge will kill you. <clears throat> that knowledge of good and evil is the entrance of sin. It goes way back to a creature called Lucifer that you can read about in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, where when Pride entered into him and ambition above his position under God, it wreaked havoc, complete havoc. And so now he has put made mankind earthbound. He's given him this dominion, and that dominion was before man fell. So in Genesis 3, if you're learning your Bible still, or if you're looking back on it, I don't know about you, I don't ever get tired of this stuff. I don't ever get tired of revisiting because it helps me on a daily basis in my thinking, in my attitude, and looking at how things affect me. So 
So in Genesis 3, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman. Now I don't know if you've ever done this, but circle or mark that word said there. Mark the word said in verse 2. Mark the word said in verse 4. Okay? I draw a line drawn to them here in this particular copy of my King James Bible. It's about words. It all happened through words. And then she evaluated it by what she saw. So it's words. Words happen in your heart, in your mind. We're going to talk about your mind. The subject is which mind are you using? Which mind are you walking after? Which mind is is in operation here? Now, a double-minded man, James says, is unstable in all his ways. So if you're going back and forth between the two minds, as a Christian, you're going to be unstable. You might have hold down your job. You might make money. You might have all kind of stuff. But spiritually, you're unstable. Now, what happens here is, she takes of this fruit. In verse 6, she took of the fruit thereof in the end of the verse and did eat, gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. I want us to focus for a moment on verse 7 to get this context. And the eyes of them both were opened. In a good way, No. And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And we know they heard the voice of the Lord God walk into the garden in the cool of the day, like the Word of God in Hebrews 4. The Word is alive. And they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And then you can read on about the whole fall. But but here's what I want to talk to. And I'm speaking to Christians. Hold your place there. Stick a ribbon in there like I've got... Ribbons I made up, and it's really cool. You can mark your Bible. Romans 8. Romans 8. I don't want to burn a bunch of time. I want to keep this short and sweet for you. Because it's which mind? Which mind are you using? Which mind are you walking in? Which mind is directing you? Okay? Now, a born-again believer has two minds at work. Okay? And the key there is that God made you free, okay, from the law of sin and death, Romans 8, verse 2, according to whether or not you'll accept it and walk in it. Verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now watch. For to be carnally minded. That doesn't mean that you can take your lost mind and keep it, but there are times we can think like we would if we weren't lost. People marvel that someone might get saved when they're 6, 8, 7, 10, 13 years old, whatever, and then later struggle spiritually. It just depends on what mind. And they go, well, that person, how could they even think to do that? Because they've opened up their carnal mind to the influence that they weren't supposed to. Because you're all born with it. We're all born with it. Now watch. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually, so the L-Y is to be like, verse 7, because the carnal mind, this is what you're born with, the carnal mind is, would you circle that? It is enmity with against God, not just in some cases. No, it is. For it is, circle that, not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Can 
A lost person, a carnal mind, be religious? Absolutely. That's where religion thrives in the carnal mind. Some people are religious fanatics about sports or money or education or philosophy or just pleasure. But it can't be subject to the law of God. Okay? Why is that so important? We talked about this recently. Romans 7.25 right across the page says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh the law of sin. So what is it? Which mind are we in? Which mind? What happened in Genesis 3? And I'm going to make this in a simple way. I want to illustrate it for a minute this morning. You say, well, what is an illustration? Illustration, by definition, is a rendering that makes something bright or glorious or clear. It's an explanation. It's to elucidate. Now, don't go freaking out on me. You could actually look it up. To elucidate is to make something clear. When we take something that might be a little obscure or it seems a little deep, and we can illustrate it, that will help us. So I want to illustrate Romans 8, okay, about which mind you're in, carnally minded or spiritually minded. You have two minds. Which mind is at work? And it can happen throughout the day. You're never going to ever just switch on that new mind and then that's it. You don't have to do it. No, you got to put it on. We'll talk about that. But here's the lesson. In Romans in Genesis 2:25, they were naked and not ashamed. Okay? They had not taken of the knowledge of good and evil. They did not know how to take the fact that they were naked and think wrongly about it. You better get this. The way you know that Adam and Eve fell in the garden and it tainted the entire human race is that it's a right and normal function when a person becomes aware of nakedness in their conscience. And it's a perversion of it when they grow up and they're trying to do everything they can to prove it's okay to walk around publicly naked. We're not talking about just husband and wife being together. The Bible says it's the marriage bed is honorable and all and undefiled. I don't don't mean that. But the nakedness that people raise their children in and their girls in, many of them are wearing stuff that could not even probably pass for underwear in a normal situation. But that's been going on for thousands of years. Okay? It's not new. It's not new. But how does that happen? Here's why. (coughs) They were naked and not ashamed. And then in chapter 3, verse 7, they were naked and they knew it. They became ashamed. Why is that? It's because the difference is in the using of facts. They could now take the same facts and think evil and be ashamed. Because what had entered into them was the knowledge of good and evil. That's why your Bible teaches that when children have no understanding of God, no accountability, they're not accountable yet. But they'll get there. And there's not a certain age, it's a certain knowledge when God starts holding them accountable for what they know. That is also why, dear friend, as a child of God, this morning, 
you've got to ask yourself, how am I dealing with facts that come to me, information that comes to me? If you're not careful, you forget that you have the capacity to think as bad as any lost person when it comes to certain facts or knowledge. And you've got to say, which mind am I using right now? God has given you a new mind. Therefore, if any man, that's not gender specific, any person, any human being Christ, they're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So for us, which mind? Now let's, let's break it down for one minute here. For one minute about this. We're not even talking about getting out there into, say, immoral things or pornographic things. Those are wicked and bad, and they'll hurt every relationship you have. But let's bring it into covetous things. Envy, strife, the things that Paul the Apostle wrote to the New Testament Christian about. Which mind? What about gossip? Do you know it's, if it, it can be totally true, but you repeating it is gossip. It's tail-bearing. It can be totally true, but it's tail-bearing. And the intent with which you say it goes with it, whether you want to admit it or not. Well, I just, just saying, pray for old so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. You see, your spiritual mind is not at work when you've got to include a bunch of details about that person when you ask for prayer or even you think about prayer. It's not at work. And I hold myself to the same standard, so don't, you know, don't try that. So which mind? One of the ways you can look at Romans 8 and ask yourself, which mind am I using? Which mind am I walking after? Which mind is at work? Now, if you find it's the old mind, as quick as day, as quick as a, a blink of light, you can say no and drop that thing and walk after the Spirit. God made us that way as Christians because He quickened us. He made us alive in Christ. So when things come to you, it could be, I, I'm not even going to try to make a list of them because the greatest applier of Scripture is the Holy Ghost of God, Hebrews 4, 12 to 16. So today, how about it? Which mind? 